Hi everyone, my name is Amanda Bulow and I'm the founder of Awesome Women in Construction, or AWIC, a not-for-profit association who provides a supporting community for women in the construction industry. I've started a podcast series called Awesome Women, taking a wide focus on women in all areas of the community, construction, automotive, mining, healthcare, farming, hospitality and many others. I have met some amazing and wonderful women in my time, and they all have a story to tell, one that we are ready to hear. The podcast guests have had and are having amazing careers. They are small business owners, many of them raising a family at the same time. Others I know are training for a variety of reasons, including representing our country in sport and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Some of you have represented your country in sport and are now writing books and carving out very successful careers. Some of our guests are employed full time and have a side hustle. Your journeys vary, but they are all inspirational and can show others what the world has to offer. You are an inspiration to me and I wanna share that with the AWIC members in our fabulous community. My intention was to have a casual chat, enabling women to tell their stories. This has definitely been achieved. I have enjoyed recording these podcasts. Now it's time for you to enjoy listening to them. Hi everybody. Well, it's time for an Awesome Women podcast. And today we've got Dr. Meg Cooper with us. How you going, Meg? Hi, I'm well. <laughs> Meg Cooper is a registered psychologist and has 17 years experience with a mix of internal and external consulting roles. So Meg, tell us a bit about your business. Um, well, we are called Carousel Consulting um, and we are a mix of psychologists and psychology specialists who um, consult to business to really have brave conversations about change. Um, the, the world is changing as we know um, that the world has become more uncertain and um, many businesses are being forced to make change. And our job is to help businesses have those conversations and to do change well. Um, yeah, so I mean, the majority of our work is change management where, you know, organization has to make a, a big change or a small change and we support them along the way. As psychologists, we're very interested in the people impacts and the people side of change. We know that if you mitigate the, the if you, um, sorry, if you manage the people side of change well, you mitigate the risks of um, people becoming fatigued, people becoming disenfranchised, disengaged, um, and ultimately just not doing what you need them to do in order for the change to be a success. Yeah. That's, um, that's really the, the bulk of our work. We also, spend a lot of time then helping people navigate through that change and um, we work with them to build their resilience. We work with teams a lot. In fact, the majority of our work would be with teams at the moment. And we work on those, you know, helping teams optimize their performance in the face of change, challenge, uncertainty, all the, all the difficulties that come with just navigating organizational life really. And then we also help organisations decide what kind of culture they need um, and where they're going to go with their culture. What culture do they need in order to, to achieve what they're really trying to do? So that's it in a nutshell. 
um, we're a small boutique consulting firm. And uh, yeah, which is uh, great because we're able to, we're really a, we really pride ourselves on being a safe pair of hands for our clients. Um, we, yeah, it's pretty much how, what we, what we pride ourselves on. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, obviously, um, also women in construction, there's a lot of um, redundancies or have had, particularly over the last six months, you know, with COVID and just the industry as a whole and redundancies are happening and then we need to be shifting and adjusting to, you know, um, our work changing, but then also, you know, schooling from home or whatever it has been for us over the last six months. And, you know, some people may not have had to have, reduce their hours of work or reduce their, um, you know, had a reduction in their salary, but you're still feeling the vibes from everybody else that are going through that. Yeah, absolutely. And look, what we would say to organisations is change done well is worth it. Um, investing your time and energy into making sure you do the change well reaps the rewards um, because change naturally brings out a sense, you know, it's uncertainty in people and people do get um, um, unsettled by uncertainty. No matter how mentally tough they see themselves, um, it, it, it always does bring out, a, you know, a, a sense of a, an unsettled feeling in people. So that may last a little while for some people, but that might last a long while for other people. Um, knowing what to do with both of those ends of the spectrum of, of people's responses um, is an important thing to do. I think the, the other thing um, is that if you have to make a change, you have to make a change, but you can still do it with integrity, you can still do it with respect, and you can still make sure that people are okay at the end of it, regardless of where they've ended up as a result of the change. Yeah, so I guess that, you know, having at some stage during my career been you know, you're part of a huge business, you get that email and it goes, by the way, guys, we're having a merge or we're going to be letting redundancies happen tomorrow. Everybody get collected into the lunchroom and you have a 50-50 chance of having a job or not. No one sleeps that night. No one knows what to do. And it's like the switch gets flicked because no one does any work then until we know what's going on. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and you think about, you, you, you relive that experience. I don't know about you, but I relive, relive those kind of experience when I was in internal roles and I get the physical responses that I got at the time of shock and, you know, the dry mouth and the swooping feeling. So it actually stays with you. Those experiences stay with you and can really um, affect the way you think about yourself and the way you think about your work. And we've seen lots of instances where people lose confidence in their own abilities just because they went through a difficult change, just because the environment was a difficult one to be in at work. Yeah. So for somebody listening, Meg, what would you give them three tips to do? You know, they're either part of a redundancy or there's, you know, a number of merge, business mergers going on at the moment. What yep. would you give them as some three, you know, key tips right now? Yeah. Um, so the, the first tip I would give them would be to um, understand the nature of their change. Understand what the impact is. And this is doing the thinking work. So do some analysis, figure out who's going to be impacted, figure out to what degree they're going to be impacted and then plan accordingly. I think 
um, people sometimes forget to do the thinking work. They make assumptions about, oh, well, that'll only affect the sales team, or that'll only affect the operations team. Um, in actual fact, those impacts can be broad and they can be minor, but knowing that they're there is an important thing. The other thing that I would strongly recommend people do is to understand their stakeholders. And I know this sounds like a classic change manager speaking, but it, it never goes astray to know who's, who is where in your change. Um, figuring out what their currency is. So what is really important to them and what are you gonna be disrupting um, as a result of this change? How much are they gonna care and how influential are they over the success of the change? I think those are, um, that's a, it's just such a really important thing to do. And again, this comes down to do the thinking first take the time, sit down and really understand the change you're making. Um, and, and then the third thing I would say is know the why. What is the problem you are solving? Because if you haven't figured that out beforehand, then maybe the change isn't the best thing. I mean, that's, you know, we're kind of, but the why is going to be the source of your communication, your initial communication. People really need to understand the problem that you're solving, regardless of whether they are potentially negatively impacted by the change. It makes it easier to under, it makes it easier to go through change when I understand the problem that got us into this position in the first place. So people get it that the business world is tough, that mergers have to happen sometimes for the sake of survival. So talking through the problem that you were solving by going through this change and then telling people how you're going to conduct yourself through that change, I think is a really, a really important thing to do as well. Yeah. And do what your staff on, on site. You don't need staff to be, you know, leading the ship before it's even started to take on water. No, that's right. And in some of those really transient sort of um, roles, people do have options. Um, they might not, there might not be as many right now, but they've got, you know, many of them have got options. And typically, um, your higher performers who can communicate and articulate well are the ones that have more options. So um, it's a, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, I guess you're just demonstrating that you actually value people as well, because you can be bothered to take the time to do the analysis around the people side of change. Yeah, fantastic. So Meg, tell us about um, your circuit school. Oh, <laughs> yes, well, um, I, for people who know me well, know that I love circus. Um, I have been a very amateur circus performer for uh, a little while and most recently was um, training with Volcana Women's Circus who I love and adore, but they've moved to Morningside. So they're a little far away. And I kept saying, gee, I wish someone would bring Circus to Ipswich because I would love not to have to drive all the way from Ipswich into um, the city to train and to learn new cool, cool skills. Because, you know, Circus for me became about my own resilience. Um, when I was finishing my PhD and when I had some really difficult roles that I was in at the same time and two little babies, and I, or two little children, I should say. And I, you know, I know that doing things that build your skills, people cheer you on, you're part of a community and all those, I, I know intellectually that those things are important for building our resilience. And so I've, that's, that's probably why I, I got into circus in the first place. And it's fun. It's just so fun. Like, and, and the sense of achievement to, to, to develop 
crazy skills that no one else could even dream of, you know, what the hell, you know? Yeah. So um, I kept thinking, oh, I wish someone would bring circus to Ipswich. And um, there are some uh, schools that do circus skills in Ipswich, but um, they are not community circus. And I was keen to build a circus community. And so I thought, well, it might as well be me. <laughs> and yeah, that's where it started. And um, we now have an amazing relationship with Ipswich State High School. We use their performing arts complex and um, we collaborate with them as much as we can. Um, and we run classes. We have two, two programs. And um, yeah, sorry, being told that um, I've got I've got a few minutes before the power goes off. So let me just hop back to my phone. <laughs> Sorry about this in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> and, uh, you love it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want it raw. You got raw. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the, the, uh, the start of it, we, we started small, obviously, but now we run two programs. So we have a, program called our Circus Foundations program, which is for kids, you know, six upwards, however old a kid is, um, can join in and learn circus skills and get better at those skills and, and do skill development. Um, the, the other program we run is a newer program. Um, it's been running for a few years now and it's the one that we're really proud of and it's called Umbrella Circus. It's specifically for kids on the autism spectrum and other, other special abilities and other learning differences. Often those kids really struggle to engage with mainstream sport and art and activities. And we've got a program dedicated to those, um, to those kids. So yeah, um, and we've got big things planned, so. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing it. And that sounds, it does sound good. And we all need that release. Or, you know, how cool for a party trip to be able to juggle, right? You know, it's always something that's in your back pocket. Yeah. Mind you, I can't juggle. Juggling is witchcraft as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, the things. <laughs> what's the skill then that you've honed in the circus school? Um, the, the type of skills that we teach are absolutely juggling. We have trainers who are amazing jugglers. We teach acrobatics. We teach tumbling. We teach, um, until recently, we taught aerial skills as well. But um, that was obviously due to COVID and the amount of spotting that we need. And they're really, it's hard equipment to clean as well. So we put that on the back burner for a little bit. Um, yeah, and hula hooping. Any, you know, anything that we can think of, we will bring and that we can clean and obviously don't need to spot kids as much, um, we'll bring to circus. And so get the kids are in a non-competitive environment, just learning cool skills. And then our aim is to build a performance troupe and to be able to then give those kids performance experience as well. So anybody listening who's in the Ipswich area, how can they get in touch with you about that? Contact us via the contact form on our website, uh, circusipswich.org.au, and yeah, we'll we'll get back to you. Cool. So, Meg, what about? I mean, obviously, we've just talked about your community, how you're involved in it, you know, with the circus school. But what about networking? What about you know finding those people we can connect with, and just have a chat about business or about life? How important is that for you in your business? It's, um, it's incredibly important. I, we would not have survived if we didn't rely so heavily on our network. Um, 
and not just from a business point of view, but from a support point of view, um, we are, um, like I said before, I, we see ourselves as a safe pair of hands. And that means we've got really strong relationships with our clients. Um, we never, ever leave our clients without support. And I think that that then has come back and it's paid us back. Yep. Did you collect? You, yep. Yeah, yeah. We'll work out. I'll get it edited. Okay, great. Yeah, so um, then our network, um, have you got enough of me talking about my network or do you want me to do that I'll again? Start it again and we'll, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, networking is, our network is one of our biggest assets. Um, we, uh, as I said earlier, we absolutely value our clients as we see ourselves as a safe pair of hands and our job is to support our clients to have brave conversations about change and to do change well. We can't do that if we don't support them and are there and accessible and available to them whenever they need us and to, and we, you know, to do good work for them. Um, we, that's paid back. That's paid us back by, and by giving us a really strong network of people that we can tap into to um, just to, just for support, even if it's just to, bounce ideas off or um, even if it's support, like a technical skills that we don't have that we need to develop, um, getting ideas about how to do that. I think, I, and, I th and I spend a lot of my time um, being involved in more formal networks as well, because I think while at first they're very difficult, it's time consuming and it's very difficult to see the immediate value. I think over time, people should never under, underestimate the value of those formal networks and consistency. And a, a friend of mine um, who was on the um, committee of our Chamber of Commerce in Ipswich uh, for a little while had said to me, because I said, well, how do you get the most value out of the Chamber of Commerce? And she said, consistency, consistently showing up and consistently being available and understanding. And, and my way of thinking about that from a psychologist's point of view is understanding the value of this idea of reciprocity that if I'm going to seek um, if I'm going to seek support from someone I also need to be prepared to offer it and to offer it and offer it and offer it and ultimately that will that will pay off for me and it's not in a it's not in an expecting things to pay off for you it's just in a if I practice offering people support and I practice that art of reciprocity um, I have the support that I need when when I need it, and the type of support that I need. Um, so yeah, we two two ways: just making sure that our network is strong, our informal network is strong, uh, and then making sure that we are involved in formal networks that we are consistently showing up at and consistently being available and supportive. Um, yeah, that it, personally as well, I find that I find that really. Um, beneficial from a just from a mindset point of view as well if you've got someone else telling you why are you thinking that that's rubbish just you know do this that and the other and you'll be fine you go oh, yeah that was actually a simple thing to, <laughs> to think through and, and um, you do need that sometimes don't you you know whether it's business or in life you know sometimes we get stuck on this roundabout of think overthinking things too much or not thinking about them enough and sometimes you you know that you're you know, on the right track, but sometimes you just need to bounce it off somebody else and, and they'll either come back and go, yeah, that's great, or, and then have you thought about doing it this way, you know, and sometimes when you're in that 
bubble or you're on that hamster wheel, you don't, you can't see what else is outside. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And um, and you, like I'm the classic ruminator overthinker. And but but I guess my training helps and say, hmm, how do we crack this habit? Because it can become a habit as well. And I think that's the other the other thing that I've learned is to um, is to crack the habit for me is a social thing. I have to talk to someone, or I have to um, you know I have to email someone, or I have to have a I don't know, a Slack exchange or whatever, whatever forum works. Uh, I know that that's the thing that cracks the rumination, that breaks the habit for me. And I think, you know, and I guess that comes down to knowing yourself as well and knowing what it is that drives you, drives the, um, the getting stuck on a thought because then what tends to happen as well, and I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not alone in that you start to go, you start to get into a cycle of overthought and then that paralyzes action. And so the other way to crack the habit for me is to take action. Action is soothing. So just taking one step, you know, um, there's the dentists say, just brush one tooth because you can't ever stop at one tooth, but one tooth feels okay. Like I can just brush one tooth and I just brush one tooth. Oh, well then we end up cleaning all of our teeth. And that's how we, that's how we establish it. You know, we crack an old habit and we start a new habit. So yeah, for me, taking action and reaching out to people. Um, and if I don't, if I can't get the support, I need keeping on reaching out and not stopping and not withdrawing and then getting stuck in my own head about things. So yeah. And it's even just mentioning within your current um, circle or networking circle that you're after this advice. Can they refer somebody and and then that's that, you know, connection to lay about helping you. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the way that we like to think that it that it will will work is that you know I'm supporting someone else and I've given them a boost and they are now supporting three other people and so the the impact that you can have just by offering just by being available to people is it ripples out and um, and I find that a really nice thought I like the idea that me supporting one person gave them um, gave them sufficient resilience to be able to then support other people who are going through the same thing. And we, we do this in our work as well. So teaching people to understand, you know, what it is about themselves, their environment, the resources they've got available to them, what is it that they need for a resilient response and what's going to work, that is, um, yeah, that we... We talk people through that so that, because once you understand that, you've got a base to take action. And yes, action takes habits and action takes routines and action takes scary kind of first steps. But if you understand the basics, then you've got an opportunity to launch off something. Well, Meg, thank you very much for your time. So um, if somebody listening, business or personal, want to get in touch with you from a character consulting point of view, what's the best way? Um, we have an email address, hello at carouselconsulting.com.au, all one word, carousel consulting that is. Um, and we also have a website, carouselconsulting.com.au, and you can see all of the work that we do, the services that we offer, but you can also get in touch via the website as well. Fantastic. And I love a good LinkedIn chat. So, yeah, link in with me. <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll put all those details up um, when we um, share the post. Um, but in the meantime, Meg, thank you very much for your time. Um, I love hearing about the service school. 
and <laughs> all the work you're doing for the community. It was fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries.